There they were, both father and son, cooking cheap meth in the back of their home, a deplorably rusted ruin of a Carter administration era, bedbug infested Odyssey RV parked illegally on a desiccated gravel lot on the east side of Spokane, Washington. Mind your old man, shithead. Get over here and hold this funnel. I ain't gonna tell you twice, the old man yelled with grating hoarseness. Pete rolled over off the double bunk sectional bed and empty cans of soup, cupo noodles, and packets of beef-flavored ramen followed, alighting to the floor with a clatter and the accompanying soft rustle of thin polystyrene plastic. What do you want, old man? asked Pete. Pete, I told you to wash them cans out when you were done with them. We need all the money we can get, but I ain't keeping no dirty goddamn cans in my house. Pete grinned widely at the thought of the old man's angry discomfort. This ain't a house, and it's filthy as hell as it is without all this shit piling up everywhere. Everywhere I step, I'm tripping over something. I got bugs biting me on my ass, on my goddamn balls. I'm choking to death on chemicals. Ah, shut up, gruffly interrupted the old man. Come on, you idiot. I'm spilling this everywhere. Hold the funnel and grab some filters before I burn my hands again. This was all part of the old man's patented method. It is what some call shake and bake meth, or what Pete liked to call spray and pray, because in one of the last steps, you spray bubbles of acid through the reacting chamber, and when you go to vent it, you pray it doesn't explode and melt your face off. There were some accidents. Pete had the scars on the inside of his forearms to prove it. The old man don't do that step. He never did that step. Pete opened up a fresh box of coffee filters and applied a couple to the lip of one to the plastic collection tubs. He secured it with some strong rubber bands that came off of some fresh asparagus spears a while back. Peter Scarborough was a relatively young man of age 27. Upon his head was very short cropped blonde hair topped with an orange thrift store threadbare baseball cap embroidered with the words Tequila Sunrise. He was of slightly above average height and had a thin amphetamine wiry body draped in faded off-brand jeans and an extra-large Seattle Seahawks 12th man shirt that covered the bulk of the chemical burns and track marks that lay on his forearms. The jersey was navy blue and dark gray with neon green custom lettering and bands on the sleeves. According to the name printed on its back, his name was Your Mom. This was in fact untrue as he was nobody's mother. He had a mix of expensively done tribal and new school tattoos, as well as terribly wrought jailhouse stars, a 509 Spokane area code and a single name in third grade quality cursive, Sherry. Pete had just been released from jail where he had just spent the last year. Here he was, cooking up dope again with the old man. What a way to get your new life started off on the right foot. The old man's cat, Hitler, because she had patterning that gave one the impression she had a chaplain mustache, weaved between Pete's legs as the old man switched on the greasy exhaust fan to remove the majority of the caustic toxic fumes, grinding his teeth violently as the switch clicked 
the circuitry into place. Pete was not sure what smelled worse, the old man or the toxic mixture of lye and Coleman fuel. He did all that he could to keep from gagging. I think she's going to turn out a lot a bit better this time, said the old man, grinning, exposing the huge gaps in his mouth where many of his teeth should have been. Skip told me this would improve the results of the cook. The problem was, you see, that the pH was a little too far up on the dial last time. Burnt a lot more of the shit than it shoulda. Oh yeah, cause Skip is such an expert, Pete commented, snapping the rubber bands loudly onto the lip. Have you heard from Cheyenne? Cheyenne was Pete's troubled older sister. Not lately, grumbled the old man. Any idea where she's at? You fucking well know where she is. Probably whoring herself out on Sprague by the goddamn temp agency. Have you called her? Yes, son, I have. I think her phone's out of minutes. What's with the riot act, huh? You're ruining my concentration. I don't know, said Pete. I get worried sometimes. And you think I don't? You think I don't worry all the goddamn time? Christ, old man. You gotta cool it before you have another heart attack. When the liquid was done transferring, Pete rinsed his hands off in the dish-filled stainless steel mini-sink in the kitchenette while the old man worked on ripping open more lithium-ion button batteries with a pair of needle-nose pliers and some tin snips. They were all stolen, of course. It was not practical to buy all of these items. For the product created was so foul, it wasn't worth a whole much more than each individual ingredient. They had to steal the junk to make it worth the while in the long run. Pete's attention had lapsed. The coffee filter was overflowing with poisonous corrosive lye. Good old sodium hydroxide. What in Sam hell are you doing? yelled the old man, quickly jabbing Pete in the arm with his skeletal free hand. Sorry, Pete exclaimed. I was... You were fucking up. Get that greasy head of yours straight. I mean it. Pay attention. You might kill us both, or even worse, fuck up the dope. Then I'd really have to kill you, said the old man amidst a stifled laugh. Of course the old man wasn't exactly kidding either. Yeah, sighed Pete, disheartened. You still want your side of the cut? Yeah, then don't screw me up, Petey. Give me that receptacle and get your pussy suit on. She's almost done. Pete handed him the wide mouth bottle with the filter on it and proceeded to dig around in the pile of trash in the corner. Not finding what he needed, he checked the shelves over by the bathroom. It was wadded up into a ball somewhere, the makeshift hazmat suit, a ghetto fabulous innovation of his. Safety first, right folks? Did you throw it out? Pete hollered from the back of the RV. What? Did you throw out the fucking suit? I ain't seen your fucking suit since the last time we did this. Come on, move your ass. We're losing daylight by the second. Pete saw a corner of it peeking up from beneath a heap of dirty clothes over by the bathroom. Lifting it up with his forefinger and pinky, he grimaced. There was cat hair. Cat hair on everything. Pete was allergic to cats and the old man knew that. First day Pete came home from the year he spent in county, the old man picked up Hitler just out of spite. Histamines raging, Pete wished he had some decongestion. Of course there weren't any to be found as they inevitably ended up in the latest cook and the old man ate up Benadryl like M&Ms whenever they were available. Pete took the trash bag suit outside and gave it a few good shakes. 
tufts of cat hair alit on the light autumn wind and took flight northwest towards Division Street. At the time, they were camped out on an empty square lot peppered with baseball-sized chunks of broken concrete, shattered beer bottles, and the remnants of previous camps nearby the produce co-op and the non-denominational mission. Technically, the lot they were presently on was owned by the mission. They also owned the park across the ways. At night, they'd often send out their resident homeless people, aka programmers, usually the most intimidating ones who were staying there, to remove suspected campers from the premises. Well, anyways, Pete suited up and brought the bubbling apparatus, as well as the tubing and the plastic jug containing the contents of the old man's latest batch. Then he snuck around the side of the RV facing away from the road and began the process of pumping the bubbles of acid through the raw mixture. There was an elderly man with a long gray scruffy beard pushing a beat up Safeway shopping cart nearby. He glanced apathetically at Pete. The guy obviously knew what was going on but he kept his pace, cans and bottles and personal possessions rattling incessantly as he passed by. Paranoid anxiety crept into the depths of Pete's stomach as he squeezed the round rubber bulb at the center of the tubing, pumping acid into the jug. With it came the familiar fizz of the chemical reaction occurring. As the jug filled with poisonous corrosive vitriol, Pete unscrewed the cap of the jug to vent it. This was the most dangerous part of all. Wait too long to vent and there's a strong chance the whole goddamn thing bursts like the overripe, rotting corpse of a beached whale lying in the sun, and massive chemical burns ensue for any of those unlucky enough to be within the immediate vicinity. Pete pumped and vented, pumped and vented. The mixture began to react violently. The jug warmed up. Soon it would either eat through the plastic or explode tumultuously from the pressure. Pete held the jug at arm's length as far as he possibly could, flinching and sweating with brutal anticipation. He had accomplished this process at least a dozen times before, but still this part always made his bones ache with anxiety-laden weariness. His fears and woes begetting moribund desperation and a tremor in his hands that was essentially and especially troublesome to his deteriorating psyche. When the deed was done, he gave the finished product to the old man and bade his temporary farewell, ripping off the trash bag suit and tossing it back into the corner. By then, his mind was playing its illusory tricks on him. There always seemed to be someone, something lurking at the corner of his eye, ready to pounce at a moment's notice. It was a sort of psychological trickery, one perpetuated by those known by the true speed freaks as the shadow people. They feed on the minds of the weak, the malnourished, the unwary, the stupid. And Pete was a fine combination of all of those things. Say, Dad, said Pete. Huh? grunted the old man who was carefully inspecting the drying Pyrex tray of chemical solvents with a raptor's unflinching gaze. He held it up to the light and snorted thunderously with disdain. His crudely unkempt arboretum of nose hairs fluttered with the abrupt exchange of air. Do you think you can sort me out now with a few bucks up front? The old man squinted and frowned miserably. Digging absently in his pocket with his left hand, he withdrew a crumpled hundred dollar bill that had been ripped in half and taped unevenly back together. It had surely seen better days. All I got are hundreds. If I give you this, are you going to come back tomorrow, fuck nuts? 
Pete gave his father the best good little boy smile he could muster without his face twitching too much. Sure I am. You're uh, not going to go out on some bender with your girlfriend? She said she's staying in tonight. Are you sure about that? You know, uh, we got to move this shit when it's ready. I'm aware of that. You are coming back no matter how fucked up you get. Don't make me have to hunt your ass down again. And you best bring me back some change. Okay. By noon tomorrow? That's fine. Mmm. Mmm. Alright. If I'm passed out, just bang on the window. You know the drill, said the old man. Putting the Pyrex tray down on the kitchen counter, he extended his grizzled talons with the bill hanging limply in between his index finger and middle finger. And be sure to put some goddamn minutes on that piece of shit phone of yours. I want to be able to get a hold of you if I need you for something. Yes, yes, no problem. Pete pinched the corner of the bill and took it from his father. He gazed at it before he folded it up and placed it in his pocket. All right, son, well, see you later. Don't make me regret giving you this money or I might have to kill you. Thanks for the vote of confidence. It seemed that Ben Franklin was grinning slyly at Pete. Oh, <laughs>